start today with some requirements from a job description. And so if you've looked at LinkedIn lately, maybe this is a little pop quiz for you. Uh, these are a list of requirements for a job description. I want you to see if you can guess what the job is. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Here's the list. Uh, first thing is dietitian. Second is theologian. Third is coach. Uh, then we have on-demand Uber driver. Then we have interior decorator, carpet cleaner, mind reader, academic tutor in all subjects, by the way, uh, speech therapist, financial planner, trauma-informed counselor, gender theory expert, and I love this one, certified in small gadget repair and proficient with tiny screwdrivers. And here's the summary to tie a bow on it. Candidates must be willing to work variable hours, which includes evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. The compensation, get ready, is $0 an hour. In fact, you pay thousands. Anybody know what this job is? Being a parent, yes. Which some of you are thinking and judging me right now, Tim, parenting is not a job. It is the gift, the greatest gift I've ever been given. And I know, okay, people, I know, I get that. Uh, but I would just say, honestly, sometimes as a parent, I have three kids, 14, 11, and eight. Honestly, sometimes I, I feel this. Some of these, I didn't pull off the internet. I added from my own experience, okay? Like this is what I, I feel. And sometimes the reality is parenting can be, can be challenging. And so here's, here's lie number nine of our series. It's this, is, oh, they'll grow out of it. And looking at our kids, oh, they'll grow out of that. And we'll, we'll talk about more of what that means in just a minute. But, but we're talking about the reality that, that parenting is impactful. It's transformative. And yet it's, it's challenging. Uh, one of my favorite true stories uh, for my wife and I as parents is when my youngest daughter was about four years old. So this is about four years ago. And my, my wife is with uh, my daughter at the doctor's office. And they're waiting in the waiting room. This older lady comes in. And my daughter's really cute. And so she comes right up to my little four-year-old daughter and she comes up, she bends down, gets right next to her and she says, oh, hey, aren't you cute? Hey, what's your name? Hey, how are you doing? And my daughter's four. So of course she gives her the silent treatment, gives her the Heisman, says nothing. And so my wife, as the mom, as the parent, comes alongside and says, hey, Tanavi, say hi to the lady. You could, it's okay. And it took a few minutes. Of course, my daughter did nothing. Um, it took a few minutes, though, this older lady leaned over to my wife, and I kid you not, she said this. She said, you know, you shouldn't let your kid talk to strangers. And you know those times where you think there might be hidden cameras? You're, I mean, you're just like, my wife felt set up to fail, right? And I think that's, that, that's sometimes how we feel as parents, as grandparents, as youth and kids volunteers, as foster parents, as future parents. Some of you don't have kids yet. And some of you, that's just a, like a life decision and, and God's leading you in that way. That's okay. There's no shame over this place today. But some of you, you, you're just like, I don't know if I could do it. And it seems so challenging. And, and how, how, do you, how do you do like the sleep schedule? And, and what do you do when they start vaping? And what about sex? And what about this culture that we're in? And what if I make the wrong decision? And it just seems so tricky. And so today, I want to help us, and I want to help us from God's Word. And so I want you to take a Bible out. If you, if you have one, get that one open. If you don't have one, there should be one in the row back in front of you. Psalm 127. 
uh, go to the middle of your Bible, find Psalm 127. This will kind of be our launching point today, and I want to give you a few things that will help you from God's Word on, on parenting. And again, this is for everybody in the room. I, I kind of looked at it. This is for parents, grandparents, future parents, foster parents, aunts, uncles, mentors, kids, youth, and volunteers. And did I get everybody? I, I think, man, we should all be interested in the next generation. Amen? And so all of us, let's lean in and take notes and see what God has for us. Psalm 127, starting in verse three, it says this. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Here's our first point. If you do take notes, it is children are gifts to enjoy, not trials to endure. Children are gifts to enjoy, not trials to endure. Listen, so many times as parents, I think if we're honest, we are just trying to survive. It's okay. I'm a father of three. Sometimes I'm just trying to survive. And that comes out even in the way we talk about parenting, right? When they're, when they're toddlers, you're just like, man, you just, just got to get through the toddler years. And then when they're in elementary school, you man, just, you know, as elementary, you just got to push through those. And then the teenage years, man, you just got to go to sleep and hope when you wake up, like everything's okay, <laughs> right? And just even in the way we talk about parenting, it's kind of like, man, you just got to endure it, right? Because parenting can be, be challenging. And so we need those times to be reminded that children are, in fact, of incredible value. And one of those places we get reminded of this is in Psalm 127. Look at the text. It says, parents are blessed. Children are a heritage, an inheritance, a gift. It goes on to say that they are a reward. Last time I checked, you don't endure a gift. You enjoy them, right? You invest in them. You don't just push through. You embrace whatever season you happen to find yourself in related to the next generation because they are a gift from the Lord. We see this not just in Psalm 127, we see this across the Bible. And I think one of the reasons why we see this across the Bible is because there's always been this battle over the value of kids. Whether it's some big philosophical battle like abortion, or whether it's just like the simple moments where my kids are tugging at your shirt and you're just like, man, they're just distracting me right now. Or kids, like they, they don't want to go to church or they, or they don't want to clean their room. And you just kind of, you look at them and you don't see their inherent value, dignity, and worth. And you need to know that is not new. There's always been that. And the reason I know that is because scripture's constantly reminding us, Psalm 127, they're a gift. They're, they're a reward. Parents, you are, are blessed. And then other places in scripture, like Jeremiah chapter 1. God calls Jeremiah to this bold purpose of proclaiming God to the people of Israel. And Jeremiah says, hey, I'm just a youth. And God says to Jeremiah, do not say I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. Do not be afraid, Jeremiah. Paul says something really similar to Timothy in the New Testament. Right? Timothy's leading the people of God, leading the church. And Paul comes alongside Timothy and says, hey, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. They're going to try. You don't let them. 
You you have amazing potential to lead God's people, to see people come to know Jesus Christ, become more like him, lead others to him, and you can lead out in that. And don't let anybody tell you different because you are young. You see it with Jesus Christ. Kids would always run up to Jesus. They'd always wanna be a part of the happenings of Jesus. And sometimes people, sometimes his disciples, would say, no, no, hey, kids, get away. Like, this is a big deal right here. Jesus, like, uh, kids, go away. And what did Jesus say? Let the children come to me. In fact, he said, you, look at these kids. Everybody gets into the kingdom like, like a kid. And you need to have that kind of childlike faith. This is the way your life is forever changed. You look at the kids. And so constantly you see this battle in scripture, in our culture today, is this battle of do kids really have value? And, and sometimes, like, I think in church, because we're in church, all of us would say like, yes, they're a gift from the Lord, praise Jesus. But at home, when they won't eat their green beans, you wonder, and you think like, they, Tim, they are sweet, but they are sinful. <laughs> I mean, their first word out of their mouth wasn't daddy, mommy, I love you. It was no, right? That's my kids too. And, and, and so we need to be reminded, we need those moments like we're getting right now from scripture that speak the truth in the midst of the lies we often believe. Uh, here, here's some of those practical moments for me that help with that. It just happened yesterday. And it happened uh, from something that usually is not good for my life and for truth. But in this case, it was, it was my phone. And it was my phone, like Apple, like popping up photo memories and that little slideshow that they make for you on your behalf. Like, I didn't even pay for that, but thank you, Apple. And it was, it popped up a little slideshow of me and my wife with our kids and in a trip we went on. It was a few years back when they were just a little bit smaller. And I, I did what many of you do, man. I just, I just started thumbing through those photos and I just, it just kept coming to my mind, man. I love being a dad. I love my kids so much. Man, I wish I was more present in that moment. Man, they're so big now. They look so much different now. You've been there? And it's those kind of moments where you realize, man, children are a gift from the Lord. And I want to lean in, not escape. And I want to be intentional to raise them and point them to the Lord because, because they're gifts. They're not trials to endure. And so all of us need to be reminded of that today. Here's what you also need to know is they're gifts to enjoy. They're not trials, but they're also not idols. Some of us, we swing to the other end of the spectrum and we we think, man, I'll put my kid at the center of the universe, Tim. Like they are a gift and they should get more attention and they should get more gifts. And you sort of go to the other end and you let your kids be the center of the universe. And listen, I don't have time. I had a whole section on this and my sermon was going too long. But, but let me just tell you one brief story. A couple of years ago, I was preaching a high school retreat and a kid passed out and everybody was like, hey, what's wrong? And he ended up being okay. And I was like, hey, what happened? And they said, well, it was this, uh, it was this challenge and he drank a bottle of hot sauce, like the whole bottle. And so let me just frame this up for you parents. Do you want that to be the center of your universe? No. Do you want your identity and security in life to rise and fall with that? The answer is no, right? And so don't, don't put your kids at the center of the universe. Here's what we're called to do and said, and, and Psalm 127 points this out. 
We're not called to put them at the center of the universe. We're called to help them make God the center of their universe. Right? That's what it means in four and five. Look at verses four and five of Psalm 127, that they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. They must be carefully shaped and formed. You have to aim them in a direction. They're not going to figure it out on their own because they have all the rights and privileges in your home. You have to give them some structure, some boundaries. They have amazing potential with your power guiding them with your perspective leading them and giving them insight on things that they have no idea about. Listen, I I realize I'm in a room full of different ages and stages of parenting. And so I by no means am trying to give a handbook for how to do that for you specifically. I I wouldn't try to do that. But here's what I would say is you need to make a commitment, especially if you're married, if, if you're by yourself, whatever the case may be, you need to make a commitment to be intentional in your stage of parenting. As most people look at it, there's about four stages of, of parenting. Uh, the first one is, is caregiver. Uh, this is when your primary concern is just making sure they eat, sleep, and poop, right? And you're at the store, just you get so excited about the newest diaper rash cream, okay? That, that's that season, right? And that's a very important season to help form and shape your kids, help them to know they're protected, help them to know they're taken care of and loved. But then you move out of that season to kind of a cop season, and you're just trying to make sure they don't hurt themselves or other people, right? And some of you are in that season right now, and you're always just wrangling them. They're running out in the street, and you're just like, ah, and you're kind of in that, you need to be intentional. What's our plan in that season? To not just, again, not just protect them, but point them to Jesus. And then after that cop season, you kind of move into a coach season. Your kids start to get a little bit older. They're, they're emotionally intelligent. They're human beings, And you can actually have a conversation with them. And you can start to let them know the why behind the what. And you can start to train them up with instruction, with doctrines from the scriptures. And you can start not just do sports and not just, and all those things are great, but you can actually start to take them to God's word. Talk about sin, not just mistakes, not just regrets. Talk about where sin leads if they give into it. Talk about how to deal with temptation. Talk about how to deal with things like sex. Talk openly. You're their coach. Who else is going to teach them these things? And you're thinking, well, Tim, I don't know if I know know all those things. And and that's, that's why we need the church to come alongside in community so you can grow as a disciple of Jesus while you're trying to disciple your kids. Listen, we say it here all the time that kids ministry at Phoenix Bible Church, you need to know this, is not babysitting It is making little disciples of Jesus. And we are primarily partnering with you as parents as you lead the way in that. Now, we want to equip you. We want to come alongside. We want to lock arms and say, let's do this thing together. But we want to see you lead the way in that. We have them for an hour. You have them for 167 in a week. Like, how are you intentionally pointing them to Jesus? They're like arrows. Man, you can, you can form them. You can shape them and see them launch into an amazing impact for the kingdom if you have an intentional plan as, as parents. The last thing is, is consultant. Some of you know this season. Some of you, you were the caregiver. You were the cop. You were the coach. But now, now you're just consultant. Your kids are out of the house. They're adults. But this is an amazing season as well because you could come alongside your kids in relationship and give advice and help them and and speak even more candidly 
and be there for them in that way. The point is you need to be intentional. They're not just going to grow out of it. Like you're there to help them grow in Christ. That's the point, right? Here's the second thing about parenting is focus on capturing your child's heart, not simply controlling their behavior. Question uh, about the Bible. When you look at the Bible, is the Bible primarily about rules or is it about relationship? It's a trick question because it's about both, okay? The Bible is ultimately, if you really read it, Old Testament, New, it's about rules and relationship. Here's what's significant is the sequence. You see it in the Old Testament. Uh, Our rule book in the Old Testament is, is primarily known as the book of Exodus, That's where we find the Ten Commandments, right? Charlton, Heston, you know, all that kind of stuff. Ten Commandments, 613 total commandments, maybe in Exodus. And we think of it as the rule book. And yet, if you look at the sequence, it's really significant. Do you get the rules before or after the relationship? It's after. It's not until Exodus chapter 20. Like before all that, you have the initiation of relationship. You have the rescue of the Israelites out of slavery in the land of Egypt. And God says, you're going to be my people. You have relationship that's established. And then later you get the rules. Very important. You have the same thing as you fast forward to the New Testament, Mark chapter one, the baptism of Jesus Christ, the son of God, this amazing moment where you see the Trinity all displayed in one spot, Mark chapter one. You have God the Father speaking. You have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And you have God the Son, Jesus Christ, getting baptized in water. And what you see is this really beautiful picture of the Father's heart for his child. You see God the Father say and proclaim over his son, Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now again, sequence is significant. Is that before or after Jesus does miracles and sermons and and death and resurrection? Before or after? It's Mark chapter one, it's before. He hasn't done any of those things yet. And yet God the Father looks at God the Son, isn't this beautiful? And says, I love you. You're my son and I'm well pleased with you. There's a sequence that's significant in scripture. Are rules important? Yes. Are rules important in your parenting? Absolutely. But if you have rules before you have relationship, if you have rules void of relationship, what that will equal is rebellion. What that will equal is Colossians chapter three tells us, fathers don't provoke your kids because it will lead to discouragement. Literally in that text, it says it will lead to them losing heart. That rules without relationship, rules before relationship will lead them to losing heart. Now, I know none of us want that for our kids, right? And yet it happens all the time. It happens with our, with our little kids, especially why we, we just like give them rules. Again, we're the cop. And we just, you don't throw your food on the ground. You put it in your mouth, right? Just those most simple rules. Now, if you just give rules with no relationship, even when they're little, what happens? They'll obey while you're looking. And as soon as you turn the other way, what do they do? They throw that food on the floor, right? 
Even when your kids get a little bit older, you put a lot of rules in your place. Man, these teenagers are getting out of hand. Like we got to put this framework, we got to put the on the device, like they get, limit their time. You're ground, you, can, you can't go out to that party. You can't do this. You can't do that. Just rules, void of relationship, even as they get older, what happens? They'll comply for a little while, but as soon as they can move out, they will. Even when they get older, some of you have adult kids. Man, there's, there's no rules at that point. There's just relationship. They're adults, you're adults. Yet the only foundation you had was rules. And so what you're finding is, man, I don't know how to just relate to him or her. And they don't want to do that with you because you just had rules without relationship. It's so reality is, is we want to have both, but we want to establish the relationship and then have some healthy rules in place so that we capture their heart, not lose their heart. And again, I know none of us, none of us want to lose the heart of our kids. We all want to capture the heart of our kids. So I'm just going to give you five examples of what this looks like. Examples of parenting that can cause kids to lose heart versus parenting that can capture our kids' heart. Here's the first thing. We can cause our kids to lose heart if we correct without connecting. If we correct without connecting. Parents, this is when you say to your kids, hey, hey, stop it. Hey, no. Hey, because I said so, right? And you just correct without connecting. One thing we've done as parents, we haven't done this perfectly, but, but when we try to correct our kids, what we try to do is connect. So we just try to take a moment. Listen, some of y'all, you may need to take a moment in the other room because you're gonna correct out of anger. You're just gonna say, because I said so, it's all gonna be externally motivated, and you don't want to do that. So sometimes you need to take a moment, take a breath. But at some level, we come back to our kids before we correct and we try to connect and we say, hey, even with our teenager, we do this. Hey, do mom and dad love you or hate you? You got to be careful sometimes. They're like, you hate me. <laughs> and we take that moment to say, we don't, we don't hate you. We love you. We love you with all our heart. Hey, do mom and dad, do we want bad things for you or good things for you? And we don't even let them answer. We just say, we want good things for you. (laughs) And we say, yeah, we want good things. And so, you know what, this thing that you're trying to do and go, place you're trying to go or thing you're trying to, man, that's going to bring pain in your life. And we don't want that for you because we're your mom and dad and we love you and we want what's best for you. We want good things for you. And it's just that little moment to connect as we correct and we can capture their heart, not lose it. Here's another way we tend to lose our kids' hearts in parenting with backhanded, passive-aggressive comments. This is going to be convicting. Uh, it's when we say, you're going to eat that candy till you throw up? Are, are you ever going to do anything with your life? Are you going to spend all summer on that couch? And it's just those passive-aggressive comments. Like, do you, do you have a job? Because the last time I checked, like, I'm the one who pays for all that. And, man, quick way to lose our kid's heart. Here's the way you capture their heart. Speak directly. I know it's crazy. Speak the truth in love. Define expectations and then develop and help them develop a plan to get there. So if they do need to get a summer job, give them four weeks to do it. Give them some parameters. Give them a goal in mind. Use your network to help guide them towards that end and be direct about it. Speak the truth and love, not passive aggressive backhanded comments. 
Uh, the third way is comparison. This is a quick way to lose your kid's heart. It's when you say things like, hey, your sister never did that. Hey, your, your brother, I mean, he always practiced the piano. I mean, that kid over there, I mean, I heard, I heard that kid over there, he takes a shower every night when he gets home from practice. That may or may, may not be a real story in my house of how I've compared. And st- like, man, don't compare your kids. As adults, do you like being compared to other adults? No, like, don't do that for your kids. You'll lose their heart in that way. Uh, this one's really tough for me. We'll lose our hearts uh, of our kids if we obsess over the perfect plan and miss the power of presence. Man, I see this all the time. I've seen it in my parenting. I see it in other parents' lives. We got to get the perfect plan with, with the sleep schedules. We're like, do, do, we sleep in a, uh, do they sleep in a bassinet right, right next to us in the same room? Or do we let them cry it out like baby-wise? What do we do? We need the perfect plan. Like with public school and private school and homeschool, like do they go crazy now or do they save it up for college? I, what do we do, right? And we look at grades and homework and we're like, man, I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, kids need to play and all this homework is crushing their creativity, but I do want them to go to Harvard. What do I do? Right, with discipline, like don't be a helicopter parent, they'll resent you, but don't be passive, they'll run over you. The phone, Man, when do you get them one? And how do you go about that? I mean, it could be helpful for safety if we need to call them, but they could get addicted to it. And what do we do? And I think as parents, we're faced with all of these decisions. We're faced with this coming up with this perfect plan in every season of life. And the reality is many times in our obsession with the perfect plan, we miss the power of presence. Listen, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, volunteers. Most of the time, kids don't need the perfect decision or plan. What they need is you. They need you without your phone, without your Excel spreadsheet, without your anxiety over, are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? And are we keeping up with the Joneses? They just want you. And sometimes parents, we, we overcomplicate this. Like dads, sometimes we overcomplicate this. You're like, man, being a dad is so hard. It's so tiring. I work all these hours. Listen, sometimes it's really easy. Just don't go play golf for four hours. Just, just say no to that and just stay home. You don't have to be super dad. Just be present. Man, your kids, when, when they get older, and they're not going to think, man, I wish you'd given me more stuff. I wish you'd done this. I wish you'd had the perfect plan. I should have been asleep in the bassinet next to you, not in the other room. What were you thinking? Is that what they're going to say? They're going to say, man, I, I wish we had more time together. I've done some funerals where I've heard kids, adult kids say about the father that they lost, the mother that they lost. And they always say like, man, just, I'm so thankful for the time we had together. I wish we had more time together. The power of presence. Don't miss that because you're in search for the perfect plan. Be present. Like put your phone down. Ask one more question. Don't assume you already know everything they're saying. Just even if they're talking about some crazy idea to start a a social media business and they don't even have a phone themselves or they're going to be a YouTuber and you're just like, oh my gosh. Just just sit there for one more moment, ask one more question, right? 
And you'll be amazed at how that will capture your kid's heart just by being present. Here's the last thing is we can lose our kid's heart by valuing being right over and above repentance. Listen, as your kids get older, they see your mistakes. They see your flaws. They see your sins. Like It's on display. Like they live with you. They, you're like, do they see them? Yes, they see them. And if you do not repent to them, if you're just always right in front of them, there's only one of two options. One, they think you're incredibly naive and unaware. Two, they think you're prideful because they see all these flaws and sins and mistakes, but they never see you repent. And they just are left to assume, oh, you just must be full of pride. Listen, as Christian parents, I know not everybody in here is a Christian today, but as Christian parents, here's the one thing that we should get right. Repentance. Repenting to our kids. It's literally how we got into the thing. It's like, how did you become a Christian? Oh, I got everything right. And then God let me in, opened up the doors wide. No, like, how did you become a Christian? By admitting that you can't get everything right and you need the help of Jesus Christ who lived a life on your behalf that you couldn't live, who died a death in your place that you deserved for all the times you didn't get things right, who rose again in victory for all the things you didn't get right, past, present, future, and you repented of your sin and you believed in Jesus. That's the one thing that you know as a Christian that's at the core of who you are that you wanna pass along to your kid. How can you pass it along to them? Well, we're gonna teach a five-day study on repentance. No, you can do that. But the most powerful way, it's not what you say, it's what they see. The most powerful way is you repent to them. You show them your need for a savior. Because listen, that, I don't know about you, that's the biggest thing I want for my kids. Like my, my kid had a soccer tournament this weekend, I want him to score goals. I, I want my, my oldest daughter, I want, she made the cheer team this year, so great. I want her to go to, to a college that I don't have to pay for. Man, I want my youngest, man, I want her, she's like this amazing dancer. I want her to grow up and achieve all her dreams. I want all those things. They're down on the list. You know what the first thing I want on the list of my priorities for my kids? I want them to know Jesus. I want them to repent of their sin and trust in Jesus. Amen? This is what we want for the next generation. Make little disciples of Jesus. How will they know that if you never show them what repentance looks like? And on the flip side, you can capture their heart so much by repenting and admitting that you are not right and showing them, hey, you need to look to Jesus. Listen, the reality is we say it all the time. There's no perfect people in the Bible. Everybody's broken and yet God uses them. Here's the reality. There's no perfect parents in the Bible. Read it. I looked for examples. And honestly, it's a train wreck most of the time. And yet God used those families to point their kids and other people to Jesus. And God can use you if you walk in repentance. Capture your kid's heart that way. Here's the last thing. Work on growing you, not just parenting them. Uh, you know when you get on an airplane and they're going through all the stuff and you got your AirPods in and you're not paying attention? <laughs> One of the things they talk about is the oxygen mask deploying if, you get in, if, if the plane crashes, right? 
And they say, hey, if you got a kid next to them, what do you do? You put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then them. Why? Because if you're dead, you can't help the kid, right? So you get oxygen yourself and then you put the oxygen mask on your kid. And sometimes the reality in parenting, many of us, I know this is not ethereal, many of us, we're struggling in parenting because we're struggling as humans, because we're struggling as disciples of Jesus ourselves, because we need some oxygen before we can put the oxygen on them. Many of you are pouring from an empty cup, if you're honest, and you need to breathe in so you can breathe out. And listen, some of us, I know as we say, like, grow you, not just parent them. Some of y'all get excited about this because you start thinking about the spa. And you start thinking, pastor, I preach, okay? I've been praying and discerning. Is the spirit leading me to to treat myself? Amen. Hallelujah. This is the affirmation I needed. And I would say, you need to take care of yourself physically. You need to hit the gym and you need to take some time for date nights with your, your spouse. And yes, all those, you need time away. All those things are really important, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting some oxygen, getting some, some Jesus in your life, growing as a disciple of Jesus yourself in the disciplines, in, in your practices and the word of God and serving other people and all those other things. And that you filling your cup up with something that's of value to your kids, the most valuable thing ever, ever, which is your relationship with Jesus. And some of us, if we're honest, man, we're struggling right now. And it's not just your, your kids are making you crazy or your kids are making you angry. No, they're stirring up what's already, what's already there. And you need Jesus. And you don't just need to look at them and try to parent them. You need to grow yourself up in Jesus. But this takes intentionality. This takes humility. And so I want to look at just what does this look like briefly? And we have a couple in our church who did a little interview. And so I want you to turn your attention to the screen and just see what does this actually look like practically. Let's do that now. Hi, my name is Mark Krause. And I'm Tamara Krause. We have two sons, Austin, who is 32, and Jordan, who is 29. They are both married. Austin has two little girls, so we're actually grandparents now, too. We just want to talk with you for a few minutes today and share some things that we did as parents to intentionally disciple our sons in the faith. You know, all of us as parents look back and think, oh, we wish we'd Mm. have done some things differently or wish I'd have done that better. Um, So first off, we need to relax and certainly not parent out of fear of what we might do wrong. And so as we were talking about some of the things that we did as parents, we thought it might be good to call our sons and ask them some of the things that we did that they thought were really impactful. Probably the biggest thing that both of them mentioned was just how faith was lived out in our daily lives as a family. That was really wonderful to hear from them because I think as a young couple, as as followers of Christ, we wanted to live that kind of life out in front of our children. While they got a lot of knowledge from the church that Mm -hmm. was meaningful for them in terms of understanding God through children's church, even sitting in the big church, the times that really impacted them again were our personal times as a family Mm -hmm. when we were able to apply that as a family and talk about it more from an application standpoint and not just in terms of head knowledge. We wanted to intentionally show our kids 
sense that we are worshiping God. And when we are not at church, we're the same people that we are at church, at home, wherever we are. We are living and following Christ with all of our hearts. And we would pray about any area of our lives that one of us was mm-hmm. you know, struggling with, them struggling with as young men in school, you know, friendships, all of those things that they're experiencing in life. But we also talked about God a lot in terms of our finances, Mm -hmm. the importance of being in community with other believers and learning and growing together. Our older son, when he was a junior in high school, had a very serious issue where his retina started detaching. And just the normal thing in our family is we pray. And so he would know that grandma is going to come over and pray with him. And our family's going to walk through those times together um, in prayer and trusting God, even in the scary times. When they got older, we would start reading books together as a family that was more appropriate for their age, and that would enable us to go into deeper discussion and have them share. So one of the things that came to mind for me when we read Mark Batterson's book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. You know, I loved those nights where, you know, they would all pile into Austin's bed and, and gather around and and hear the stories and have their dad read to them. And, and again, it just enabled us as a family reading out loud. There's something about reading out loud yeah. as a family or even one of us with our sons that gives them time to think when we're reading. It's just, it was a great way for us mm-hmm. to apply the faith and talk about our faith as a family. Yeah. I think what our sons pointed out is what was most impactful for them was us just modeling faith in Christ personally and how they not only saw us doing that, but they specifically mentioned that they saw the fruit of that in our lives, in our marriage, in the atmosphere that was in our home. And today they are both married, attending churches and worshiping Um, in ways that are no longer dependent on us because they have their own personal relationship with God. We thank Mark and Tamara for sharing with us. I I love that they pointed out just that their kids got to see them model faith in front of them. And I think that the challenge sometimes with that as parents is right now, as we talk about all those things, even as we hear stories like that, many of us look at our deficiencies. Many of us look at just all the ways we haven't gotten this thing right. And maybe there's some guilt over your head today, over your heart. Uh, as we talk about losing your kid's heart, man, just like on that list, you're just like, man, check, check, check. Like I've done those things this morning. And I, I think as we, as we look at, at faith in Jesus, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you hear this great sermon about parenting. And we can decide if it was a great sermon later, but you hear this sermon about parenting and you're just like, yeah, I got all that right. I, I, got, I, did, I did that, I did that. But that's not faith, that's works. Your faith in Jesus is you looking honestly at some things you got right, some things you got wrong and saying, Jesus, I put my trust in you. God, the father, you're the only perfect father. You're the only perfect parent. And I put my kids in your hands. And we're gonna to respond today, we're gonna to sing, we're gonna have a time to pray and do that, to place our faith in Jesus, to look to him as we point our kids to him. Children are amazing gifts. Right, let's invest in them. Let's enjoy them as we enjoy Jesus and pass him along to them, amen? Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. I thank you for these, 
these parents in the room, these grandparents, these aunts, uncles, youth volunteers, kids volunteers, mentors, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, foster parents, future parents. And God, I just pray right now just a, just a special blessing over them that they would know, God, that you love them first as kids. That all of, us, all of us in this room, first and foremost, we're not parents, we're not grandparents, we are your kids in Jesus Christ. And you look at us right now, no matter what we have done or haven't done regard to our parenting, you look at us right now and you say, if we are in Christ, these are my kids that I love and I'm well pleased with. And God, may we just center in that identity in you. May you release us from the guilt and the shame, from the things that we haven't done, the things we wish we would have done. And may we be found in Christ, loved and approved of with your power to change, maybe for some of us to change the trajectory of our families. Maybe some of us, if we're honest, we never had an example of a parent who had faith in Christ. And today brings up those wounds. God, I just pray over this place by the power of your spirit that these parents, and if that's them today, that they would know that they can change the trajectory. They can break the cycle in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray just that we would have families, we would have parents, we would have kids in this room who would be able to proclaim that they are blessed in in Jesus, that they're known by their father, that they're loved right where they are. And God, that might cause us to sing and, and point our kids to Jesus and follow you all the days of our lives. We pray that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.